Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan's going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. Folks, welcome to the Believe in Wizards podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. As always, I am Matt, and I'm joined by my co-host and 13-year NBA veteran, Larry Hughes. Larry, what's up? Hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? Hanging in there. I, I wish uh, we would get to the point where we have some, you know, air quotes, real basketball to talk about, but we actually will talk a little bit of uh, some Wizards-related results today. So hopefully folks have been uh, paying attention to that and keeping up with the simulated uh, Wizards results. So, so we'll get into that a little bit, talk a little coronavirus here, and uh, just some other kind of miscellaneous NBA topics just to, to try to keep people, uh, you know, getting their basketball fix. That'll work. Let's do it. So first things first, I think let's start off with some comments that Mark Cuban made earlier in the week. I guess this is sort of not coming from the league specifically, but directly from him. It's of his opinion that things will be back and in full swing by mid-May. Now, I think his comments were they'll have games, but not with fans, but at least they feel confident that in another month and a half, two months, that they'll be able to to start playing again. Does that seem realistic to you based on what you've been reading? Well, I mean, kind of, sort of. I think we're all kind of optimistic and looking for the the best out of the situation. And there's just a lot of information that's floating out there, and there's nothing that's really concrete. So any ray of light that we see, I think we attach ourselves to that. But again, I think it's, it's, it's doable if we continue to get more information and understand what, what the coronavirus really means. I mean, we still don't necessarily have a clear understanding of what it means as far as this, the social aspect of what sort of opportunities we can actually do. Golden State Warriors uh, MVP guard Steph Curry went on and did an Instagram live today with Dr. Anthony Fauci. That's the uh, yeah. White House health advisor and talked about the coronavirus and just asked him some questions and wanted to try to help folks, you know, be a little bit more informed. And they talked about herd immunity and how uh, if you if you get the virus, you're you're pretty much should be set and not be able to get the same exact strain. So as more people get it, it'll actually be kind of inoculating them, I guess. Stuff like that's interesting. It's definitely good to be informed. I just thought that the timing of Cuban's comments were, were kind of interesting. That same day, uh, it was announced that the major basketball league in, in South Korea, who obviously kind of battled with coronavirus a couple weeks before the U.S., that they've canceled the rest of their season. Obviously, that ends earlier than, than the NBA anyway, but it just it didn't seem like a great omen. Yeah, I just think it's about the information, right, and just understanding what sort of information is out there, what sort of information do we follow, you know, what are the risks that are involved that are associated. And at this point, I think it's good to get the professionals back into the gym and get them working out. And if you have to sacrifice fans being in attendance, I think that that's something that I'm willing to concede as far as just getting basketball back and sports in general back into the fold. I think fans would, would happily take that trade off. I wouldn't mind watching them play uh, on an outdoor hoop on a half court just to have something going. Uh, but but you mentioned guys working out and, and getting back into the swing of things. A lot of gyms are closed and people can't be within six feet of each other and all that sort of stuff. How how are all of these players staying fit? And not just staying fit, you can obviously work out at home, but I can't imagine everyone in the league has a court at home or, or close by to them. How are these guys all staying kind of in game-ready shape? Yeah, I think it's tough. I think they will probably have some sort of fitness aspect. 
but having a court and having a basket that you can actually work on your game, I think that that could be a stretch. But again, I think it's having you know, one or two, three people that are around you that, that you're comfortable being around that, you know, no one is showing, you know, symptoms and things of that nature where some of those rules of six feet, they may be broken if you're going to actually get a workout in with the trainer or with the coach. So I think you have to understand, you know, what are you getting yourself into? And again, have all the information that you can, because at some point in time, you guys are going to have to get back out on the court, uh, whether that's to end the season or whether that's to begin to prepare for the summer that's coming up. I think it's coming really fast that those guys will be able to get some individual training, some group training, and then hopefully that'll, that'll migrate into, into team training. I saw some some guys on uh, Instagram during this sort of in a joking way, but it's probably not too far from the truth. But but they were shooting around with like latex gloves on and and just just anything to kind of keep a, a layer of protection there, I guess. So uh, you got to be resourceful in a time like this. Um, just kind of keeping it moving. We don't want to spend you know too long on on coronavirus. But there there was one story over the last week that that I actually kind of like. So the Seventy Sixers came out and said that they were going to. Um, to dock pay to certain members or, or cut everybody down from five day work weeks to four days. And because they were working one less day, they were going to cut their pay by 20%. And Joel Embiid basically came out and, and sort of shamed his own ownership group and was like, uh, well, I'll have to, you know, I'll put in money to cover the difference if it's really, if it's really coming to that. And the Sixers ownership group immediately turned around the next day and said, uh, yeah, we, we got this one wrong. Like we're, Joel can't step up and do this for us. We, we need to be doing this and, and we're not actually going to enact that policy. So that was something cool to see, you know, a player using his platform to kind of crusade for all the other people that go into making NBA basketball happen. Like obviously the players and front offices and all that are important, but it takes a lot of people to make an NBA game happen. Yeah, and I, I think that that's good to step up. I mean, because a lot of the players are really close with the people that work in the, those arenas. We have parents and, and brothers and cousins that rely on that income, rely on that employment uh, to, to live and to survive. And you think about the owners with the long money that have created generational wealth uh, as far as that goes. And then these players have this short window to earn and to begin to set up our generational wealth to have those guys step up. I think it's a good testament to how we live and how we think as professional players that we're always willing to help because in some aspects we were in that position or know someone very close uh, that's in that position that's going to struggle if they're not given the amount of hours or if they're not able to go to work. Although for, for the basketball player, we're missing out on the fun, but the staff and, and the, the workers, they're missing out on livelihood and just the, the ability to survive. So I think that that's great that the players step up, but I think it's it's a must that our owners, you know, that, like I said, that, that's created that generational wealth are able to step in and try to help and do their part as well. So I think it's great. I'm, I'm always over the belief that, you know, you, you never count another man's money, but when, when you have an ownership group where there are multiple billionaires involved, it, it definitely seems like it's a good thing that they pivoted the right way from a PR perspective, I would think. And, and speaking of, of, you know, the families of, of NBA players, Carl Anthony Towns came out and said that his mom is actually, you know, in a medically induced coma 
while she battles coronavirus. And I think I've seen since that his dad is also struggling with it. So obviously uh, thoughts and prayers go out to, to the town's family there. But much of a tragedy as that is, I really appreciate people like that coming out and, and talking about their their story. I think for a lot of people, it's you may not know somebody that that's had you know, this serious of an impact from coronavirus. And, and people just sort of, you, know, you feel like you know pro athletes and stuff, and especially in the social media age. So that, that hits a little closer to home when it's someone you're aware of who's actually able to come out and say what that's like. Obviously, it's awful that he's going through that, but I still appreciate him using his platform in the right way. I think it is about awareness. And right now, I think as a public, we don't necessarily have a clear direction to follow because the issues are so, there's such a a huge spectrum, a wide spectrum of the effects of it, what it does to certain people. And we just don't have enough information. So it's definitely, you know, sorry to hear about Carl and and, and his family and praying that they come out of this on top. And again, just trying to get as much information as possible of anything that was going on prior and just using that information to help the next person out that may be suffering from the same the same things just trying to get as much information as possible so it's, it's good that those guys will will step up and, and give their story because again when you, when you experience something that's usually the best teacher and then you can try to give that information to, to others so you know we can avoid that and we all you know we have parents that are 20 25 30 years you know our senior and that are affecting them so it's good that you know we have someone on that on that platform that'll step up and say hey this is affecting me and you guys need to really take this thing serious. Totally agree. I think that's very well said. And we're kind of talking about the, the good that can come from social media. I wanted to pivot away from, from coronavirus real quick. And this is also kind of a heavier topic. So just we'll get all the heavy stuff out of the way and, and kind of pivot to some fun. But Larry, are you familiar with the DJ Carton situation at all? The Ohio State point guard and everything that's been going on with him over the last couple months? I am. I am. We actually have a kid from the area, EJ Liddell. Uh, who's a freshman on on the Ohio State team. So anytime those guys were on and I was able to to catch the games, I saw uh, DJ actually play a few times and and thought he performed pretty well, obviously as a, as a young kid, as a freshman. But yeah, I'm I'm pretty familiar with DJ in that, in that situation. So for the folks listening, he actually uh, withdrew from the team and initially cited some kind of mental health issues and needing to take a step away. Eventually, kind of withdrew from the team entirely and announced he was going to transfer. I want to say a couple of weeks ago, the backlash on social media from from you know Ohio State fans and other Big Ten fans and basketball fans in general was kind of so negative that. He kind of came out and said, I'm just getting off social media entirely because just everybody's so mean. And obviously you weren't kind of in the heyday of the social media age, but I don't think people understand what that's like to be able to take that much targeted hate from people sometimes just for playing a sport. Can you kind of weigh in a little bit on on what that must feel like for for somebody that age focused on their own health and getting their mind right and to kind of get that reaction? I completely feel for the kid because one, it's, it's not necessarily the public's it's not their business as far as what he's feeling and how he's feeling and how he feels that he needs to address it. And if he if he's using this social platform to inspire and impact the younger people that are that are coming up that are that's watching his social media, the circuit, the Nike circuit that I, that he played on was a huge circuit. So those kids gained a lot of fans. So if these kids are using these social platforms to, you know, like I said, inspire these younger kids. It it does them it's, it's a, it does them a disjustice a injustice excuse me to go at them and to tear them down as a young person on their social media where they don't know you they're not focused on you they're focused on them they're focused on inspiring themselves and others 
and it, it's tough. And like you said, I was, I didn't come up playing in the, in the social media space, uh, but I have kids that are deeply in the social media space. And I find my son will jump off of Instagram or a platform just for a break. And you don't really pick or pry too much on why you had to take a break or why you dropped off. You just, you know, feel that confidence that they know what they need and they can find what they need. So, you know, in DJ's situation, it's like whatever decision he makes, just making sure that he's getting what he actually needs, getting what he's missing, what he missed in that situation at Ohio State, wherever he goes, I think it's it's the public's job to figure out what he needs to be successful and not tear him down. I've been kind of proud of the way people had reacted to the Kevin Loves and the DeMar DeRozans when they came out. And I primarily focus on on NBA stuff and the NBA fan base in general is is kind of more I'd say like player focused a lot of times than just sort of team focused. So maybe if you're a Kevin Love fan, you're the one reacting to that in a positive way, whereas the fan bases are a little more team focused at the college level. So it's, hey, this guy is leaving my team because of this. So I get people being kind of bummed by it, but also uh, it's just really disappointing that this is a particular topic where you would hope people would sort of rise to the occasion and and kind of get where he's coming from. So that that was definitely a little disappointing to see. But uh, yeah, I can't I can't imagine what that's like if I were receiving tweets after we post this podcast about hey, you know, who's this clown? Like I, I don't know how I would handle that, especially if I were a 19 year old or something. Right. And I always say when people ask you questions about what you're doing or the information that you're putting out of your basketball game or the podcast that we're doing. You know what, we are doing this to give information to people, to enlighten people, to give them a different perspective. So from our angle, it's like, we know why we're doing this. It may not be for everybody. It may not resonate with everyone. But at the end of the day, I know exactly why I'm doing this podcast. And if you can answer that, I think that you, you know, you can be successful as you continue to move. Yeah, that's really big. And, and one other thing I, I'm kind of paying a little bit more attention to now, and I can't remember which coaches I've heard say this, but I've definitely heard it mentioned a few times where there are certain teams where they actually take players' phones away from them at night at a certain point, like when they're on the road and it's like an actual phone curfew. So hey, at 11 o'clock, we're collecting all your cell phones so you're not spending all night scrolling through Twitter reactions after a game or something like that. And I thought that was a little bit you know, maybe overkill at the time, but but now hearing stuff like this, I, honestly, I totally get it. Yeah, it, it works. I, actually, my high school, our high school coach had that rule for our, our kids on the, on, the, on the team. They were on the trips. They were traveling. Phones go in. They want to bond. They want to talk. They're actually talking to each other and not worried about the outside noise uh, that you get with those those different platforms. Yeah, kind of sad that, uh, you know, we have to do that, but it's probably a smart move. Pivoting to something a little lighter, we'll stick with college basketball just for a tiny bit longer here. Jeff Goodman of Stadium just released a poll today that he did of 300 plus college coaches and asked every one of them, you know, kind of to figure out what they were doing to fill all their time, what their favorite TV show was and what their favorite movie was. And a lot of the answers were were pretty predictable. There was uh, a lot of The Godfather, a lot of Hoosiers, Gladiator, like a lot of things you would maybe kind of expect to hear and um, The Wire and things like that or Breaking Bad for TV shows Uh, like Juwan Howard's answer, his favorite TV show was Below Deck Mediterranean, a Bravo reality show. So I appreciate him uh, putting himself out there a little bit. So I'm going to ask you the same question, Larry. What, what, what's your favorite TV show of all time and favorite movie? Favorite TV show, Law and & Order. And Any I'll particular one or just the original? I, I, I watch them all. I, I, like I watch them all. CSI, Special Victims Unit, my guy, Mr. McCoy. You know, I, I watch all of the Law & Order. 
there are people that are like religious about the law and order like like you are like hey i've seen every one of every one of these 20 seasons i started that during my playing days and it's just carried on like it, it's carried on and law and order would always be on after shoot around or right before uh, that that nap uh, before that that pregame nap so i was always either watching law and order falling asleep to law and order and then waking up to law and order yeah, there's like that three-hour block late in the afternoon on a couple of the basic cable channels. So it's like before streaming and all that stuff, it was like pretty much guaranteed you could turn a TV on and find an episode. Yep, yep. Movie, I'd say, is American Gangster. Ooh, That's I like with, it. Uh, Denzel, yep. So I've watched American Gangster probably every time it comes on. I also had a Denzel movie uh, as my favorite here, uh, Inside Man. It's a Spike Lee joint. Have you ever seen that one? Yep, yep, I have. Love that movie. Um, Doesn't get enough love, I think, in the overall Denzel spectrum. Uh, and then favorite TV show uh, is called Justified with Tim Oliphant. He was uh, basically a U.S. Marshal in Kentucky. It was an FX show. Very good. I would recommend it if you like that kind of thing. I think solid answers from both of us. I'm a little biased, but uh, nothing, nothing too crazy on here. I think a couple of the college coaches, you know, one or two of them said The Bachelor. So I think uh, ours were a little more respectable than that, at least. Yeah, nah, no, no Bachelor for me. I, I do watch Below the Deck, though. Oh, do you? That one, too? The same one? The Mediterranean one? Yeah, for sure. There, there are a couple of different um, areas that they travel to. So, yeah, I've, I've watched a few of those. Is, is that what the miss is, or is that your choice? That's pretty much my choice. Okay, I like it. I, on, on the home front here, I'll, I'll watch uh, some of the uh, the Real Housewives of, of New York is the only one I can pretty much stomach through that my wife likes. Yeah, yeah, I'm a watcher, man. I'm a watcher. Once the, the drama gets hype and there's a lot of screaming going back and forth, then then I usually change the channel. This is the time to kind of get through all the, the guilty pleasure shows right now, too. For sure. Uh, okay, so uh, in our first episode, we talked about uh, doing kind of a life in the league segment. And, and every week, I, as sort of the voice of the average fan here, would, would ask you, the experienced NBA veteran here, just about some particular topic that maybe is a little more behind the scenes and, and people don't quite you know know about or you don't hear as much about because it's less basketball focused, how it's like to kind of like live in the league. So one of the stories I heard early in the year that I thought was interesting, during the Capital City Go-Go season, uh, their coach, Ryan Richmond, and that's the Wizards G League affiliate for anyone listening that isn't familiar. Their coach, Ryan Richmond, came out and said that he lets a different player pick the music each practice. And that that had been pretty well received, except for at one point, Garrison Matthews, rookie NBA player at a Lipscomb, picked uh, some country music that was, I guess, a little too twangy for the rest of the group. And, and everybody kind of mutinied until they, they turned it off. So any stories like that, Larry? Or how does that work? Is it kind of different team to team or? There's the kind of the OG on the team get the pick. How does that go? Yeah, that that's usually how it goes. So there's usually two or three, maybe four guys that can have control. And when I was in the, the locker room, it was the aux cord. But I guess now it's it's Bluetooth. But there's usually two, three, four guys that the team recognizes as has you know they have some variety. You know they have some swag to them. Uh, they can take you through a few different genres. Country being one of them. And then yeah, you just kind of rotate those guys. And as soon as you don't like a playlist from one guy, you know, you're usually quickly put to the end of the line. But it takes a while to get back up to the front of the line and get your music played. You ever see it get uh, particularly heated or anything like that? Uh, not really, man. Not really. Uh, Alan, when I was in Philly, he was a Redman fan. And we pretty much played music everywhere. Practice court, home locker room, practice locker room. 
So he pretty much had that locker room on lock. So no one really played music in Philadelphia, but, but Allen. That's pretty fair. I'd say of, of anybody on that team, he'd, he'd earned the right. And I know Jimmy Butler's talked about this a couple times in, in previous stops. He's a country fan and also I, I want to say likes him some Taylor Swift and stuff like that too. And maybe that's caused a, a little controversy with some teammates. But if you're uh, Duncan Robinson or Kendrick Nunn or another young guy, it's probably pretty hard to tell Jimmy Butler, hey, you don't get to pick the music today. Oh yeah, it's 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 vet driven for sure. Unless, unless a vet mandates a younger guy to make a playlist and then he controls it. But definitely the vets control the music. I appreciate the insight there. So, folks, um, again, reach out to us on our Twitter account. It's Believe in Wizards, B-L-E-A-V, if you have any topics you'd like to go through. So, you know, we'll, we'll kind of ask Larry what it's like to, to travel as an NBA player or what you do with your downtime and, and those kinds of things as we go along. So if, if you have any particular questions or things you've always been interested about, reach out, let us know, and, and we'll see if we can, uh, we can address it a little bit. So sticking to our home fan base or, you know, our, our home franchise, because we are a Wizards-focused podcast, there has been basketball in the district recently. Uh, both the Capitals and Wizards have been broadcasting or, or you know, basically live streaming simulated games, uh, in the Wizards' case, on, on 2K, playing out the rest of their, their regular season schedule. I believe at this, at the time of this recording, they've been either 2-1 and one or 3-1 and one in those recordings. I know they lost one uh, to Milwaukee, but the, the most surprising thing about seeing the simulated scores is there's been a lot of final scores where the final is like 80 to 70 or 75 to 67. And, and I've pretty much commented every time, like, are we sure this isn't the, the first half score? Like, I don't know what the, the 2K <laughs> algorithm is set to, but that's the best defense any, any Wizards team has played all year. Have you, have you been keeping up with this at all? I haven't, man. I, I saw the, the simulations kind of pop up and I'm not a gamer whatsoever so I really haven't gotten into it so what are, what are the highlights what, what is something that's going to draw me to checking checking it out you know I am probably the wrong one to ask to I'm, I'm basically 31 going on 41 here so it's a little a little a little past my uh, my wheelhouse too but I think it's one of those things where if it's just hey we're uh we're, we're jonesing for basketball that hard that we're willing to watch the recordings of it. I, I did a couple articles early in the year and, and talked to the, the Wizards actually have a team in, in the NBA 2K League. It's called Wizards District Gaming, where they basically, it, it's not just this style that they've been doing now where they simulate the actual rosters and the games, but I don't know how much you've paid attention to any of this either, but it's it's actually like their own league where each player that they draft like if I were in the league I would have a you know a Matt Moderno character who could be a, a stretch four or a, a scoring point guard or that kind of thing so they have their own you know archetype where they basically have a different style of play and that kind of thing so just doing research for that there's so much money in gaming stuff right now that, that I was honestly surprised like how much the NBA is investing and I want to say 22 NBA teams have like a a franchise where they pay guys salaries to come in and live with the team during the season. They put them up in a swanky apartment in DC and fly them up to New York a couple nights a week for games and stuff like that. It's pretty intense. I've seen it and definitely aware of, of how huge the esports and whether we call these guys athletes versus non athletes, but the amount of time and the amount of focus that it takes to master this craft is crazy. And I keep mentioning my high school because this year these guys just put an e-gaming sports room inside the high school. So 
it's, it's, it is huge. And you know, maybe one day I'll, I'll get into video games, but it's, it's tough for me, man. Yeah. Same here. That That's definitely not, not my forte to, to play uh, against other people online. And part of that's an ego thing too, where I'm probably not terrible at it, but something about the 12 year old kid sitting in the basement, pounding the end of the ground on something like that is, is a little tough to, to shake off. So, talking bad to you too, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I think that's a main appeal to a lot of this is to have some trash talk involved. Going back to the the simulated games for the Wizards, I think I appreciate that they're at least trying to get content out there and, and give people some reason to kind of check in and keep up with the team and, and give people, you know, with, within the building there stuff to do and kind of keep people occupied. So kudos to, to Monumental Sports for doing that. And I'm not sure if that's a league-wide thing. They're, the Wizards are the only team I've heard about doing that. But Ted Leonsis is kind of big on the, the eSports front. So give them credit for, for trying to think outside the box here. You got to feel that time. I mean, if you feel that time, you give a, a few people what they're looking for, then you did your job. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, worst case scenario is it's folks like us where it's not our thing and, and we tune in. But I you know, definitely uh, prefer to see, hey, we're, we're winning, whether it's real or, or, or digital or, or however you look at it. Uh, so speaking of kind of simulated competitions here, we, we threw out a, uh, both a Twitter and Instagram poll. If you had one game... I didn't go quite so far as to put it as, you know, with your life on the line. But if you had to win one game, would you rather have Gilbert Arenas in his prime or John Wall in his prime? And I think the overwhelming majority of folks were were on the Gilbert side. I assume, Larry, I have a hunch on which way you'd go with that one. But I'm still going to ask you, who who would you take in their prime? I'd take uh, GA. I'd take Gilbert. You know, I saw I saw that that poll come up and I was one of the first to click on. Um, and pick GA. I mean, just just our history, knowing who he is. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't pass the ball to too many other people. I think everybody kind of felt the same way, and I would say eighty percent of people uh, that responded went that direction. Although the folks that that I knew personally that that did uh, take the John Wall option, it was mostly the younger folks. You know, people in their twenties were were seemingly more likely to be John Wall fans, and I think that's one of the the interesting thing about sports is you know you can only really comment on people that you saw play firsthand. So. A lot of the younger generation probably remembers Orlando Gilbert or things like that, not the drop in 60 on Kobe and Sean Marion on, on back-to-back nights version of Gilbert. Right, yeah, I agree. I mean, it is about who had the most impact on you at, you know, at that time. I think that that is a valid, is a valid point. Okay, so that's uh, probably the extent of the uh, Wizards-related uh, topics we have this week. So, again, we would implore folks to, to reach out to us, let us know if they've got any particular things that they want to hear about or talk about or, or get some insight into. Uh, Larry, I said one more quick thing I, I wanted to bounce off you about another one of your former teammates. LeBron James uh, recently it was in the news. He's, I think, being sued by a photographer because he used a photo that this guy took of, of LeBron dunking on Instagram and and I guess LeBron didn't credit him, I want to say, but it's just, I can't wrestle personally with that guy took the photo and you should probably give him the, the credit or have a watermark or not crop it off or whatever. But uh, what's that like to wrestle with, you know, somebody not only monetizing uh, your likeness in, in that way, but, but also then trying to say that, that you don't have the right to then reuse a picture of yourself? No, that, that's tough. I actually read that a couple of days ago as well. And it's like, with my actions, you were able to capture this photo, this video, and then either I have to give permission or I have to give credit, or you guys will sue me for an action that I created, an action that I made that you were able to create a piece from. That is completely mind-boggling to me that, you know, someone would 
sue someone for posting or using a picture of them, of themselves, that someone else took. And whether regardless of it was their permission that you took this photo, whatever the circumstances were, you just have this photo and I can be sued if I use this particular photo. That's completely mind boggling to me. But at the same time, I've been in enough situations where the only thing that you can do really is fight. And I think every situation, every situation like that, you're going to have to say, okay, which courthouse do you want to meet at uh, and what time? And let, let's talk about it. And that's really what it boils down to. I obviously don't know LeBron personally, but everything you hear and read about the guy, I can't imagine that if that person didn't just say like, hey, uh, how, about, how about a shout out to the person who took the photo? I, I can't imagine that he wouldn't have responded in kind in some way. Yeah, man. I think we live in a, in a microwave society and in a lot of different aspects. And sometimes hard work and, you know, really you know, working hard to get what you want, sometimes that goes out of the window and you try to get it in different ways. And I completely see this as getting a one up in a way that you didn't necessarily work for. That's how I look at it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm of the same opinion, whether it's, it's somebody actually looking to monetize it through hey, a settlement or just, hey, I'm going to get my name out there and profit from, from just being mentioned in the same conversation with LeBron. It's got to be tough to swallow, but I, I can't imagine that, you know, that's not something that, that somebody of LeBron's stature isn't unfortunately already pretty used to. Yeah, and I mean, it, it goes both ways. And that's why you have, we talked about the social distancing and athletes, you know, maybe taking pictures, not taking pictures, signing autographs, not signing autographs. You know, you have to be really protective of, of your person and understand that everyone, just because they're smiling at you, they don't necessarily like you. So you can run into those situations if you take a picture, if you sign an autograph or whatever the case may be. So that's why a lot of these guys are really protective of their image and them, themselves. And, and it's very warranted. Okay, well, I think that about does it here, folks. Uh, we kind of talked about the, the only current uh, Wizards happenings, you know, gave you the updates on, on where we are with, with the league, uh, talked through this, this coaches poll and, and gave you kind of our first real look at the, uh, the life in the league segment here. So again, uh, follow us on social media, ask us or quite, you know, any questions you have for Larry and, and things we can get into for future topics. I think at some point we might do more of a, a serious mailbag here. And, and I think now that we've got kind of our, our feet under us, uh, we're going to look to get some guests going. Uh, Larry, anything else you want to throw out before we, we call today? No, just I think that we're having some fun, like you said, and getting an understanding of what people want to know, the space that we're in right now. And talking basketball, talking world, talking family and fun is all a part of it. And I'm just thinking now of, of really bringing in some of my, my old teammates uh, from my Wizards days and, and having them join, you know, give some of their insight as well. Uh, that's a heck of a tease and I think a good place to end it on. So so stay tuned, folks. We'll, we'll have some good guests for you. Again, this is the Believe in Wizards podcast, B-L-E-A-V on the Believe podcast network. So Twitter handle Believe in Wizards. Follow uh, Larry and I both individually as well. Let us know what we can talk about. Please rate and review. Five stars is always appreciated. Uh, tell your friends and uh, we're looking to kind of build this thing up. So the bigger following we have, the easier it is to get bigger guests and, and give you guys the kind of the content you're looking forward to. Uh, we appreciate everybody listening at this point and we will talk to you all soon.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.